Boom, we're live. You know what? I guess we'll, we'll skip the intro music for today because I don't want to complicate things with the live stream. Hello, doctor. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So I've, I've had a lot of doctors on my podcast, but you are my first celebrity doctor. So this oh, is cool. a special treat. Is that a fair label? Can we call you? Can I call you a celebrity doctor? I mean, you've been on TV for how many years? Uh, probably about four. I was on a show called The Titan Games with The Rock. And yeah. then my feet are killing me uh, on TLC. Um, so that's more my wheelhouse, obviously. I'm a foot doctor. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, man, life on the D list, bro. So <laughs> making it work. Yeah, trying to move <laughs> up to C and B. That's it. Well, hey, I, I think you're on your way. What was that like, the Titan Games? Talk to me about that. I know you won, right? You competed. That was in 2019. And you won. So the Titan Games was crazy. I mean, I won a couple rounds. For sure, but I didn't. I didn't win the whole thing. Um, oh. It was cool because uh, Dwayne Johnson, uh, The Rock, he, yeah. he put together this uh, competition show, kind of just like American Ninja Warrior, and it really just took like everyday people, like doctors, you know, electricians, anybody out there could just throw their name in this hat and then see if they had what it take, uh, what it took to compete. Um, so it was really cool. You know, if you got that label of uh, Titan, which was the final nine guys, final nine girls, um, it was pretty cool. I got to the final nine, but uh, yeah, I didn't win it. Yeah, I won yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I saw one of the events nah, that you awesome. won. Yeah, yeah, I, it looked like a tough competition. What was that like meeting The Rock? Was it, it was pretty tough. cool? Did he like yeah, pat you on was, the? Did he like pat you on the back and dislocate your shoulder accidentally? Just like, good <laughs> job, Brad. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. ow. <laughs> no, but what was crazy about him is uh, how humble he was and how yeah. he did just kind of hang out a little bit and get to know you. Um, mm. What was pretty daunting was actually his size. Like, you think he looks big on TV, yeah. but I mean, like, I'm five ten. That's smaller, but oh my god, like I was dwarfed. Yeah. by this guy so yeah just standing next to him and just seeing like how big you know people can get it's crazy oh he's he's huge he's huge yeah, he's uh, if they're if they're, he's that but that dude's got more juice than tropicana i mean if there's if there's sure. a, if there's an ounce of testosterone anywhere he's shooting it uh, yes. he looks great though yeah um, he does look great yeah, yeah big shout yeah. out to the rock for Thank sure you for the opportunity <laughs> awesome awesome actor yeah i've heard i've heard he's a really nice guy so are you um planning on on competing in anything else are there other um shows that you're looking to compete on i wouldn't say no to anything i mean yeah. depending on you know what the platform was and if it represented me and my values and things like that i would definitely sign up for it uh sure. i was i was trying to get on this uh this show with um stephen colbert it's called pickled it's about, you know, playing pickleball, but it gets mm. like celebrities out there that uh, want to compete and do a pickleball tournament. And I grew up playing pickleball with my grandparents. So I, I think I'd be OK. Mm. Um, and that would be super fun. But, yeah, I would probably do anything from like Big Brother to Dancing with the Stars. I mean, if anyone asked, if anyone had any interest to see me do that stuff, I'd I'd be open to it. Well, that's fun. But TLC's yeah, My sure. Feet Are Killing Me. How did that whole thing start? How did you get on that show? I mean, aside from the fact that you are a foot and ankle surgeon, like how, how, did, yeah. how, did, how did it come together? Sure. So that's that's literally my baby right there. And what we put out, I'm just super humbled with. Uh, very, very fun. Um, and I, I give a lot of thanks just to Dr. Sandra Lee, uh, Dr. Pimple Popper. You know, she was literally on YouTube changing the game of like what people thought was, you know, interesting, exciting, disgusting. Um, and it's really a shock doc factor. 
So I think when she was blowing up, you know, TLC and a lot of other programs, they were looking for kind of what is like the next big thing. And feet, you know, I say this all the time. They're like disgusting. Some people find them sexy. Um, and a lot of people just have general foot problems. So to showcase like what we all deal with every day on TV, you know, people dug it. So I'm just super thankful that, you know, Renegade Productions and TLC signed up for it. And they found me and they found Dr. Ebony Vincent from California. And then my friend, Dr. Sarah Holler, we went to residency together and then she came on too. So they were constantly growing it. That's awesome. So yeah. you, you must not mind feet at all. But uh, you mentioned like some people don't find feet disgusting and some people have a foot fetish. And I, yes, I, I, I think, you know, it's got to be as a surgeon, it's probably difficult to have a foot fetish and be a foot and ankle, right? Like you don't want to be horny during surgery. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can, hands, I can hands down say I do not have a foot fetish. But <laughs> hey, listen, no shame in that game. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people do. That'd be pretty distracting. I don't know if podiatrists do, but yeah, there's a lot of people yeah. out there that just love feet. For sure. Oh, yeah. So what are some of the most common injuries you see with athletes? Or or are there sports that that more so lend themselves to foot injuries? Being a, an athlete yourself, uh, I'm sure you look into that. What are, what are some common ones? Honestly, man, the, the main thing among athletes is like, Achilles tendon issues, sprains uh, of the ankle, um, and then also plantar fasciitis, which is heel pain. Mm. Um, our biggest thing amongst athletes is probably ankle sprains because when you're so active, I mean, your ankle just rolls. Uh, when I was playing basketball my whole life, I probably rolled my ankle over 10, 15 times. So all those ligaments out there are pretty much blown out. So I know I have some instability there. And if you just talk to your athletes about it, you, you manage it properly with shoes and you know, insoles in the shoe, you're, you're going to be good. Um, you know, as far as just everyday people, it's like bunions, you know, are a huge thing and a huge thing that we treat uh, at my practice in New York City, too. Um, you know, anything down to just hammer toes and warts. But amongst our athletes, it's ankle sprains and Achilles Achilles issues. Achilles ruptures are nasty. Dude, they're nasty. They're nasty. awful. Nasty. Oh, my yeah, God. I know. Yeah, I know that that'll set your life back for a hot minute for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I hear that surgery, the recovery is extremely painful and, and just arduous, takes forever. The surgery is my favorite, one of my favorite surgeries to do, I can say. I just really like, I really like the procedure of it um, and how you're able to just like put together like a blown out Achilles. Like if you think of this tendon here yeah. and then it just pops you're able to like get that back together. It's a pretty fulfilling feeling as a doctor. And then just like working through the recovery, you know, with an athlete and then finally seeing them get back on the court or, you know, field, whatever. It's pretty cool. I would imagine. So yeah, I like, I, that. I like that one a lot. I, I uh, have a friend of mine who had, uh, had that surgery done, but he also had, he's a runner and he blew out his Achilles. I think while he was running, I'm not sure, but he also, I want to show you this. Let me see. Hopefully this works. Let's see. Uh, give me one second. So he, he had <clears throat> this other, um, he had to get his heels shaved a couple of times, shaved down. Cause he had these, like his, his, he, there was this bone growth on his heel. That was that big. It was nasty. Yeah. And he had to get him shaved a couple of times. I'm trying it's called to call it Hagelin's deformity. Is that what it is? Yeah. Pump bump. And what's, uh, what's the deal with that? Like what, what, what causes that? You know, when the Achilles comes down and attaches to your heel bone, 
uh, sometimes it pulls, you know, too much. And when it pulls, you develop kind of spurring uh, off of that bone. It's common. Um, stretching and supportive shoes and insoles and stuff, that prevents that. A lot of women get it. That's why it's called a pump bump because there's – yeah. Oh, yeah, let's see it. Oh, yeah. yeah, he had his haggling shaved at that point. Oh, is this one after surgery? I would say after. Oh, I got to find the pretty. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> but okay. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes on x-rays like that, it's tough to see like the yeah. Achilles or anything. But it, it looks it looks pretty good there. Nice and rounded. Um, but yeah, when you get a nice spur, that's where the Achilles attaches down to. And you sometimes uh-huh. you just have to shave that off. Yeah, he had to get it done twice. It was, it was, it was pretty nasty. Um, yeah, on both feet and then he had... And then he had yes. to, and then it grew again. So he had to go back on one of the feet and get it done again. Oof. Yeah. That yeah, was a I long recovery. And for a runner, that was pretty that. difficult. Now there's some people too, like with, with athletes, there was a guy by the name, Neil Melanson. He was a jujitsu fighter who insisted on having a toe amputated because he was getting real bad arthritis in his toes from grappling all the time. And his doctor was telling him, like, you need to take, I don't know, like nine months off from jujitsu or something like that. And he was like, no, you could just take my toe. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to stop training. Like, man, sure. that's, that's some crazy dedication. That's savage. Right yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's totally savage. You can have I can't toe. say that I recommend it, you know, from a doctor standpoint, but, you know, from an athlete standpoint, if I know that that's hindering me, um, I understand that mindset. Yeah. It's crazy, but I, I, I feel do, like I get there, it. There, there's probably some people. I'm pretty sure I heard you talk about a lady that you had who was insisting on getting getting some toes removed or something like that. Do you know what case I'm talking uh, about? Is during that during the show, I did a six digit amputation, uh, polydactyly. Um, that's common, but you know, girl has six toes. You know, she doesn't want six toes. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. all want five. Sure. Um, but yeah, no. There's there's certain things out there like if you're like this girl that we were talking about, she was a skier. So she was constantly getting like ulcers at the tip of her Ah. toes. Um, And I understood the logic. Like if you take off that, that tip, it's not going to keep hitting um, in your shoes or, you know, your boots when she was skiing. And she was like a a ski aficionado. Like she, she worked in like Vail and stuff, but yeah, um, yeah, we, we ended up removing the tips of her toes and you know, she's absolutely fantastic. No, that's cool. That's cool. And a lot of issues that you see with, uh, well, not a lot of issues, but some of the issues that there are common with people that most people probably don't think about. You'd have to be in this field to actually know it's, it's a real problem is overgrown toenails, huh? People just don't, (laughs) there's just some cavemen out there who just don't cut their toenails. Like what? Yeah. Sometimes you think about it. It's like, you know, why aren't you cutting your toenails? (laughs) (laughs) Some people, some people legit just have like a phobia of feet. You know, as Mm. we were just talking about like how sexy they are, people just have a phobia sometimes of it. Um, Sometimes if they get too thick and fungal, it's really hard to get just regular toenail clippers around it. So you do need to go to a podiatrist and somebody to, to shave them down, file them down. You can do that with like a burr and stuff. And then make it super manageable. But no, I, I get it, man. I see it all the time. That's so crazy that some it people is crazy. let that happen. And also, also like... older individuals, um, they can't bend down. Or if you have a back issue, ah, can't bend down. You know, so it's that. not just like all psychological and maybe laziness. Um, sometimes there's other issues going on. That's why you go get a pedicure, I suppose. If you if you can't yeah. bend down, go get a pedicure. Yeah, I had a pedicure true. one time. Yeah. 
That was fun. I yeah. was like, yeah, my feet are being spoiled right now. I had a pedicure one time. Have you ever had one? So good. As, as, I have as, never had a pedicure and I have no no shame in going and pampering as, and stuff <laughs> like that. It honestly the whole reason is because of fungus. So oh, I okay. see fungus all the time. And I know that a lot of times you get fungus from these salons, oh. um, gyms, different things like that. So I'm super that cautious sense. about that. Super that cautious sense. about it. Yeah. That makes sense. I figure as a foot and ankle surgeon, you're probably like, yeah, I'm going to go get, I'm going to keep my feet in tip top condition. <laughs> I'll take care of my own feet. You know what I mean? I know, I guess so, yeah. I know how to do it all. Yeah. I'll, I'll save myself the embarrassment. I had it done one time. It was cool. I just, I, I can't sit there for whatever it took 30, 45 minutes getting, yeah. getting my feet worked on and my, my toenails painted. <laughs> you, wanted to, you wanted to get up and moving. Yeah. I just, I just have a hard time sitting down. Well, you're just sitting there, right? Like this, like I can sit down with somebody and have a conversation for hours and that's fine because it's engaging and it's fun. Or I could play poker yeah. for 10 hours at a time, but just to sit yeah. there having somebody, I don't know, just fixing my, you know, doing whatever to my toenails. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't exactly... Uh, engaging. Sure. Um, now, one of the things I heard you talk about this is I want to get into a little bit some of the some of the uh, more rare, I guess you could call them, uh, foot conditions. One of the things is elephant man disease. Could you talk about that a little bit? Like, what, explain it for people who don't know. Sure. Um, so we can. Th there are rare conditions and genetic or hereditary conditions that are out there. Um, an elephant man syndrome or disease is one of them. And really it's just when like some of your extremities just expand, uh, to an unhealthy level. Um, it can be from a variety of different reasons, but there was a patient that we treated in the show, um, season one actually, and he had it. And, mm. you know, as a podiatrist or, or doctor, some, some stuff out there, you know, listen, you just can't treat. And it's sad. You can try to manage it. So we just like had a conversation with him. He was fantastic. And he just wanted to educate people about it a little bit. And so we got him like custom Birkenstocks made to, you know, make his feet feel better. And also not just wear like some archaic style shoes, like they tried to get him some Birkenstocks. Um, and he was super grateful and happy about it. Um, it's just, it's just a sad condition to have. Um, yeah. but he, he was making the best out of it. So. so what is happening there exactly? Like your bones grow too large or something. I think I know a guy who had it in his hands. His thumbs were like that big. I mean, just huge, huge, thick thumbs. Is that, is that the same thing you probably, I mean, you can't, it's, I know you can't. It's a good sure, question. But. I think, I think there's different levels and stages of it. Um, his was just in the lower extremity. Yeah. And there, there's not like a ton of like doctor knowledge that I have on it. That's an internal condition oh, that, okay. you know, doctors manage from a genetic level. Um, but from my standpoint, being a foot and ankle specialist, you know, there wasn't so much that I could do to treat it. I could manage it, help them with different things. Mm. But um, yeah, anything below the knee we treat, but those crazy conditions most of the time they're like genetic and um so it's probably something hormonal maybe like maybe uh, is it like kind of um what's the thing where you the person produces too much uh, growth hormone and then they just they become is it is that gigant gigantism gigantism 
And they that's just, like, definitely their skulls a, get huge. Is that kind yeah, of, part of the thing? That's definitely a thing. Um, the only thing I can just say is those are genetic yeah. mutations, you know, that we get in our body at birth um, and sometimes develop later in life. But yeah, man, I'm not going to lie. I cannot speak intelligently on elephant gotcha. man syndrome at all. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of um, <clears throat> strange ones like that, like uh, lobster claws too is another one that I've, yeah. I've come Treated across. Treated a guy like that on the show too. What do you do um, for that? Super sad. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think like I was talking to him about it on the show. He's, he never knew anything else. You know, like these people, they grow up and it's sad because people will get, will make fun of them, uh, which is just crappy. Yeah. But you grow up like that is the only thing you know. So everything that we think, you know, we do because we have digits and stuff, he's, he never knew that. So he's able to manage function, do everything that we can. Um, and he doesn't know what it's like to have that. So it's really just managing it, dealing with other people's bullying, um, and just know that you're different um, and you just try to accept that and, you know, move forward. But that was, that was a wild one. Um, that was a wild one for sure. That's a hard, that's a tough one for you. I could tell that's, that's one, an emotional man. one. Yeah. So it's, it seems like yeah. a lot of uh, with these, well, maybe not a lot, but some, with some of these conditions, it's not so much surgical. It's more like, what can we, what kind of gear and equipment can we give you to enhance your life? Let you get around in a more normal way. So, but surgery is not really the answer. Like it's more the right shoe, right. It's compression, whatever. So a lot of, a lot of the stuff on the show and what we really try to gear towards is like, it's a transformation show. Like what we really like to do is see a patient walk in the door and then walk out after a procedure and whatever pain-free. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, you go through someone that has like the elephant man syndrome or lobster claw deformity, like these issues, like, lymphedema uh people have like growths on their feet you know sometimes amputation is the only option but you either have that dialogue about like amputation or reconstruction and realize like the risk isn't worth the reward um because i mean you might lose your foot and or life so then a lot of times you're just talk to a patient about management conservative care and then really just educating the public public about these things to like drop stereotypes, drop stigmas and different opinions and stuff. Um, I mean, it's nothing the patient can do, nothing the person can do. So, geez. Is there really stereotypes? People are nuts. Is there, look, what, what kind of stuff have you seen where people are being stereotypical and stigmatizing of, of somebody's, you know, genetic deformity? Like what? That's, oh my gosh. that's crazy. I mean, I can see it with Everybody, teenagers or children. Cruel. Children, sure. yes, yes, yes. Children have to be taught not to make yes. fun of X, Y, Z, but... But as adults, I feel like by the time you're socialized, by the time you're sure. like six years old and you're socialized, if you had any kind of decent parents at all, they've taught right. you not to make fun of this kid and that kid for, for having some kind of problem. But you still see that, huh, in your practice? Like, wow. I mean, no, not really. It's just like, you know, when you're talking to a patient, I think like you try to also, you know, deal with the internal as well as the external. And yeah, people still deal with that shame, you know, and embarrassment. Sure. Um, now, whether people are verbally saying it or maybe they just feel looked at, I mean, sometimes when you're walking down a street, you know, and you, you see something that's a little different than, you know, 99% of the people walking down, some people inherently just stare a little bit. So then they deal with that. So it's not always verbally. Sure. Uh, sure. It's not always verbal bullying, you know. 
Uh, well, that's where doctors do have to be psychologists in part as well. Right? Totally. Yeah, man. I listen a lot, a yeah. lot. Good doctors listen. I've, uh, I've had experiences with both with doctors that just come in, you, you come in and they just look at your x-ray and tell you, we're going to do this, this and that. And they just tell you all the stuff that they're going to do. It's like, you haven't even asked me if, if I have any symptoms yeah. yet. Like I'm functioning just fine. And you want to reconstruct my knee? Like, what are you yeah. doing here? That's weird. Yeah, I, I had that happen yeah. one time because I had a knee injury uh, from wrestling years ago and I went and talked to a bunch of surgeons about it. And I got everything from major knee reconstruction to stretch your quads. Like it's, it's just right. like, the, I mean, different surgeons, different approaches, right? Right. That's, that's true. <laughs> and then you, um, <laughs> one thing I want to ask you about is webbed toes. Yep. Is that something that could be fixed surgically or what? I feel like yes. those people, I don't know, this isn't going to sound like a joke, but it's serious. I feel like those people make good swimmers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hey, listen, I would say, I would also say it just makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's called, that's syndactyly. Um, so what we do is we do a desyndactylization. So we did that uh, on the TV show also, and that was really a good procedure. What was crazy about that procedure is sometimes because there's like little micro vessels in your toes, mm -hmm. once you separate that, uh, like the nerves and the vessels, they have trouble rerouting. So sometimes then post-op, you get this thing called white toe, which right after white toe becomes blue and black. Mm. And then, then it's dead. Yeah, black's not good. So, oh my God. Yeah. So on the TV show, I, we did a great procedure. Toe had a tough time coming back to life. So we're like massaging the calf. You know, we're, we're doing every little trick in the book uh, that we know how to. And finally, uh, the toe came back. But I was sweating it um, because putting that out on a TV show and then having possibly an amputation, I was nervous. But it came back to life. Is that, is that pressure of knowing that, knowing that you're on TV, is that something you have to learn to deal with, to, to live with, uh, to, to become comfortable with while you're doing surgery, knowing that the whole, you know, the whole world could see this? Yeah, no, for like, sure. For sure. Think, it's nerve wracking. Um, um, I would say like, you know, as an athlete, I think, you know, you, you'll understand this too. If you're going up to bat or you're taking a pitcher's mound or you're doing, taking a free throw, I think there's like certain people out there that, that can just like really control the mechanism and, and just, you know, filter out all the, all the words or, you know, stress and anxiety and you can control yourself. I always felt like I was able to control a moment. Um, and that's not BS. Like I'll literally just focus on this pitch or like this free throw, you know, and I'll take my time with that. As far as like surgery, surgery is concerned. I'll just zero in on my, my cut and then the next step and the next step. And I'll, I'll do the best of my ability on that one step and I won't get too far ahead. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't allow that all to overwhelm me. So like if someone then asks me a question while I'm doing it, I'll slow it down, answer the question, and then I'll go back, mm. you know, very stepwise um, process and, I tried to not let it overwhelm me, but I, I definitely, I definitely was overwhelmed at sometimes when you're in like a stressful surgery and people are trying to ask you questions about how you're feeling, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm effing stressed right now. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I'm having a really tough time getting this bone 
over to this spot. Uh-huh. So yes, you can see me sweating and you can see that I'm stressed, but you know, it's a TV show. You have to, um, you have to answer the questions, but your main priority there is taking care of the patient. So nothing that we ever did was um, unsafe, but yeah, there's a different level to it. Like you're not always answering questions uh, in the middle of a surgery. Sure. Yeah. I, I imagine there's gotta be times where you tell the camera crew just to leave you the hell alone for a minute. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, yep. There, there were a lot of times where I just said no. Yeah. yeah. That, well, that makes sense. I mean, the priority yeah, is the sure. patient, right? Yeah. That, 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 what you just described, being able to block out all the noise and all the distractions and not think about the eyes that are on you is essential for any high level performer. Like in, in, in fighting, I used to cage fight and the best fighters perform in the cage the way they perform in the gym. Right. If you're thinking about the audience, like I had friends who, who would, we were training together and they'd be like, oh my God, can you imagine getting knocked out on national television? I'm like, no, I, I don't imagine that. Why would I, yeah. why would I go into a fight thinking, oh my God, the world might see me get my jaw broken. You're like, that's just right. silly. Why would you do that? Right. So you have to I, be able to, to tune that out and focus. I feel like that's common with, with any high performer. You know what you mentioned about just focusing on the next step? That's that's funny because recently I was talking about I was talking to a uh, foot and ankle surgeon friend of mine about oh, nice. about surgery and he was telling me that the most qualified the next most qualified person in the OR after the surgeon if something were to happen and all of a sudden he couldn't finish the surgery the next most qualified person who knows all the steps would be the sales rep that's in there with him. They do know a lot. Yeah, they, they know a lot. And I, I've been saying this for years. If a sales rep could just get in the surgery, hand you the instruments, help you, assist, whatever, that would be an invaluable, invaluable asset to have. Because, yeah, they, they know. They, they see it all the time. That's what he was There's, telling me. Yeah, the steps are crazy. Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. Like they just have it all memorized. And if he needs a second opinion, like if he's not too sure that if the bone is exactly where it needs to be, he'll ask the rep because he right. says they look at these all day long. That's all they yeah. do. It's their training. Yeah. And like there's a there's a bunion procedure out there right now. It's called a lapoplasty or 3D bunion procedure. Mm. And those reps, I'm going to give them a big shout out right now. Those reps are literally like the best. Uh, at their field because they're looking at bunions every day and their procedure where you're taking a 2d deformity and you're fixing it in a 3d plane kind of like the leaning tower of pisa they know their steps and there's a lot of steps but they know those steps to a t and then they're looking at the x-rays and they're looking at you know if it's elevated or if it's rotated they almost see it before you see it because you got to turn around you got to look you got to orient yourself they're seeing it all it's fantastic yeah, so because because I'm in medical, recommend that. Yeah. Because I'm in medical sales, I want to ask what what's what company is uh, is uh, at the tip of the spear of this stuff? Is it J and J Striker? Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's Treese Medical. Oh, okay. Yeah, Treese Medical. It's a 3D bunion. I, I do it all huh. the time now. It's literally like my bunion choice. I I always I always try if if you're a patient, you're coming for a consult. Most of the time, that is what I'll recommend and i just love it i think it's here here to stay and it you can have those results and they freaking last that's the best thing about it is you're not bringing people back to the or in 10 years i Great. think 
it's crazy how much is going on during surgery, right? Like most people are, are shocked to learn that yeah. there's, there's f first of all, there's a sale ongoing <laughs> while surgery is being done. There's a guy in there making a commission check. <laughs> and then on top of that, like in, in your case, there's a, there's a filming crew. People are like, what? Just fix my foot. Don't fix it. You're sitting there with your ribs open, having open heart surgery. And there's a guy in there selling the doctor some kind of valve or something. People Wild. are like, what? what's going Yeah. That's the way it works. I mean, you got to get that. You got, you need that equipment. You got to get it from someone. It's really just like um, we advise or we recommend, you know, this additional thing. So like, for instance, if you're in a surgery, no one's trying to like upsell you, right? Yes. That, that would just not be appropriate. But it's like, you know, what this patient would really do well with is like platelet rich plasma, you know, so that's an injection on top of the surgery, you heal a little faster. Those types of recommendations intra-op are like, you know, do you want the Mercedes with, you know, the lights, you know, that light yeah, up or, yeah. you know, do you want the rims on the Mercedes? It's kind of things like that, you know, and as a doctor, you just realize that, you know, not everything needs all of those bells and whistles, um, like PRP and stuff like you're going to heal just fine. Like you're young, healthy, fit, athletic, you're going to heal fine. So you don't need that, you know, additional thing. So yeah, as a doctor and a rep, you don't, you don't need all that. Is there a big place for biologics, things like uh, plasma, um, plasma enriched, what is it, PRP, plasma enriched yeah. platelets and stem cells and things like that in foot and ankle surgery? I know there's been a lot of uh, increase in popularity over the years with the use of stem cells and lipogems for things like knees and shoulders. Even, even with, uh, with the spine, they're injecting stem cells into discs now and uh, attempting to regenerate disc tissue. Is there a big place for that in foot and ankle surgery as well? Yeah, 100, 100%. I mean, look, regenerative medicine, I think, is definitely the wave of the future. Uh, we do like that, laser therapy, anything to stimulate blood flow to an area. I mean, it just makes sense. Blood heals. Anytime we do anything, our blood is going in there with those healing factors, and it's working its magic. Uh, as far as like PRP, platelet-rich plasma, stem cells, amnio injections, things like that, it's all going to regenerate an area a lot faster than our regular blood would because you're filtering out the stuff that we don't need in blood, taking that PRP, injecting it directly into just say a blown out Achilles. So you're taking that blown out Achilles, you're immobilizing it, you're injecting the healing factors taken out of your blood and directing it exactly to that tear. So no, it's important. Plantar fasciitis, you know, any type of arthritic deformity. The only thing that I like to say is about bones, right? Yes, it's going to help. It might delay surgery and get you back on the field faster, but bones and cartilage degeneration, very hard to treat with that type of stuff. Once cartilage starts going away, you can maybe do the Synvis, you know, injections, I didn't know they did it for spine. That seems like a wild procedure. Synvis or you mean stem cells? Uh, for like spine surgery, I thought you were saying that they do something for for, for, for discs. Yeah, for for discs. But you, you just, oh okay, you, you said synvis. Did you mean stem cells? Nah, synvis is like a cartilage therapy. Yeah, yeah. For knees. Yeah. Um. So. People ask that and they come in sometimes like, oh, can you do this like in my big toe joint? Because I have arthritis there. Mm. We haven't gotten around to doing anything like that yet. But, uh, you know, with knees, my dad was asking me about it, like for sin bisque. And again, it's 
to help with cartilage degeneration. Um, it slows it, it slows it down. Cells, it slows the degeneration. Doesn't fix it. Yeah. So there's nothing you know of the, that that could fix cartilage at this point, because that's my issue. <clears throat> that's the issue I have. Yeah, man, me. mine too. Mine's in my big toe on my left foot. Uh, oh, as far as my knees, my knees are solid, thank the Lord. But yeah, I mean, everyone deals with knee issues like that. I would say lower back issues too. Um, it's all worth a shot, man. And I'll tell you what, if I had a knee issue, I would shoot it up with PRP or stem cells yeah. um, to try. Yeah. Because I mean, you're young, you know, what, what are you going to do? You're going to get a scope maybe, you know, yeah, I've tried road, to, figure it out. I've tried to avoid surgery for sure. I mean, I don't have any function or instability issues. I still do jujitsu and kickbox and everything, just okay. fine. but there is some pain here and there. So I have thought about like, am I just speeding up? potential arthritis uh, in the future? Am I just, you know, putting myself at a higher risk of maybe needing a new replacement at a younger age? That's the big concern. Well, because of your activity. Yeah. You know, you, you have a high impact sport. Yeah. But inactivity yeah. is probably, is probably worse. Almost, I, well, almost, almost certainly. Depending. I've been, yeah. I've been, are you familiar with the knees over toes guy? Have you seen that? Have you seen his stuff? knees over toes he does a lot of no. knees over knees over toes his whole thing is like your knees should be going over your toes like a lot of uh what we preach in um in working out environments is shins remain perpendicular to the floor for example in a squat or really almost any lift and he's his thing is you gotta let the knees go over the toes to strengthen the knee throughout that entire range of motion and it made sense to me for years. I was also like, you know, you should always, your knees should never go forward. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, that's probably why I injured my knee while I was wrestling. Because when I'm wrestling, my knees are always going over my toes. Right. So you'd think you'd want to strengthen your joints in those, those ranges of motion. So I was always called like 90 degrees. Yeah. Well, that's what you we know, were all told. Load up with that. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about that if you're doing very heavy lifting. I think when you see, when you look at power lifters, for example, blowing out patella tendons um, or even quadricep tendons, possibly, it occurs when the when the knee goes too far forward under heavy loading because right. they just the, the tendons cannot handle, you know, if you're squatting 700, 800 pounds, whatever it is. Yeah, so you do great. want to sit back. But um, if you're doing lightweight activity, Going through the entire range of motion is probably tremendously beneficial. Same thing with shoulder work, working right. that, that entire range of motion. A lot of my workouts consist of like, you know, lightweight, tons of reps, you know, mm. really high intensity interval training type stuff. You know, really just to burn calories, fat, and just get lean muscle. That, that's a lot what I, what I try to do. Um, and I, I still do a lot of sports and stuff like that. Yeah. If you're not training for any one particular event, circuit training is probably the best thing you can do. Is this absolutely? It's, it's the safest, the most efficient. You can get in and out in 30 minutes and get yeah, a great man. workout. So, this, you know, pr pretty safe. Um, I want to ask you this. I've always wondered: people who grow up in parts of the world that are not modernized and don't wear shoes. And they're just running around barefoot their whole life. I saw a thing on, on I forget what tribe, but their toes are, are very splayed compared to, uh, say, somebody like you and I who have been born with shoes on our feet. H have you ever come across a patient who maybe spent a, a large portion of their life not wearing shoes? Or what do you know about that? Is, that? is it more healthy, perhaps, to walk around barefoot as much as you can manage? I mean, obviously, you can't 
now you know and, and if you live in america you can't just go around being barefoot but is right. it healthy maybe to 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 incorporate more barefoot activities into your life i don't think so um i would highly recommend to not do that mm -hmm. i know like when i was coming up through podiatry school there was a big trend and people from the states running barefoot so they were always like oh yeah you know these guys are always winning all these races um, well, again, just like you said, you grew up literally running barefoot. So your, your ligaments, your tendons, your muscles down there, your bones, the callus buildup on your skin, everything is used to that pounding, you know? So like you just take us, you're like, oh yeah, it's just like throw off the shoes. It's natural. It's the way God intended. Nah, dude, like you are going to seriously F yourself up. But if you, know, if you did it, we're used to it. Is it, is it healthy though, if you were to do some sort of gradual progression, like you're not going to go out and, and, and run on rough terrain barefoot, that's going to cause problems, but maybe you start out on a beach on soft sand and then progress the grass and then gravel or whatever. Yeah. Like, is it, is there, is, are there some benefits to having that exposure, um, to, you know, to having your feet exposed to the elements? Cause we're so sheltered, right? Like we're so protected from the elements at all times. I just wonder yeah. with those people, if they have like really strong feet and maybe they don't have as many issues as somebody who's been wearing shoes their whole life. I would say no. <laughs> you're not, you're like, nope. Yeah. I'm not, not buying, buying it. it. Yeah. I'm not buying it at all. Cause I mean, if, if you think about it too, it's like, yeah, a shoe that's yeah. going to protect you, stabilize you. But then like you go even <laughs> further and then you get an insole or an insert in your shoe that's going to biomechanically fix you to like a neutral position, you know? Uh -huh. So that's going to help affect your knees, hips, back. So, you know, technology advanced so far to where, you know, we're able to customize not just the shoe, but the insole or orthotic, you know, to help out our body. Um, and think of a brace, like we messed something up, you're putting a brace on. I, I don't know. Like I'm all about utilizing, you know, the technology and stuff that we're, we're advanced with as far as people that just grow up like that. I just think from an early age, you're used to it. Mm -hmm. Your body's used to it as a teenage person, young adult, whatever you, there's no way you're going to train your body. In my opinion, no way you can train your body to just rock. Like those guys were rocking their whole life. I just, I think it would be super rare. I know a lot of people do squats barefoot. Yeah, that's cool. I under, I understand that. You know, I understand the logic behind that. Um, I was, what what I is the logic? Asked, what is the logic I, behind that? Yeah, I mean, I guess it is just a flat surface. So you like you overpronate to a point where you're you're just on a flat ground. Like you don't want any arch. You know, when when you're lifting up, or you don't want a shoe to hold you in that position. You want to have like a pancake to explode up um, and your body be on that one stable foundation rather than any type of give. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, I told the guy that I didn't agree with it. I think you should have a stable, you know, foundation with a shoe and or orthotic when you're doing that. But no, I mean, you're not going to tell those guys anything different. And there's a lot of science behind it. Um, I know that if I do that, I will still wear a shoe and orthotic. But no, I mean, you talk to workout heads and stuff. They 100% do not agree when you do squats to have that. Well, that's and I'm, not, I'm not going to dis disagree with that because that has been 
tested um, by these people when all, all they do is lift and work out. So sure. Um, yeah. Sure. They did a study at Ball State University years ago where they determined that Chuck Taylors are the best shoes to squat in because See? they do they do provide ankle support, but they are flat, just like you're saying. Yeah, and they're flat. Exactly. If somebody is flat footed, though, would that be a good shoe to walk in? To, to, would that be a good everyday shoe or would you want something with arch support? 100% arch support. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, it's it's like what I was saying I think we, we should be stabilized in a neutral position, you know, every step that we take. So like, just say, you know, you're having a knee issue or maybe you have a limb length discrepancy. Like you can't just have a flat shoe. Like you're going to over pronate to the point where your, your ankles go in, your knees go in, your hips go in, yeah. your back starts to bend. You know, if you're stabilized, I mean, your our feet are our body's natural shock absorbers. So if they're stabilized, that's our first line of defense. Every every step that we take, it's a ripple effect throughout our whole body. If that's stabilized in an appropriate way, not with a Chuck Taylor, although I have Chucks a ton. I love them. But I try to put an insert in them. Like Dr. Scholl's insole. Uh, I think they're great. You throw a Dr. Scholl's insole in there, definitely makes it a better type of shoe. Not every shoe company out there is able to put a solid, you know, nice insole. You know, they're mostly flimsy or a piece of felt. I mean, that's just how it is. They put all their money and effort into the shoe. Yeah. So hmm. I've never I've never thought about using uh, arch support because I do have very flat feet. But maybe now I'll start maybe now I'll start thinking about it. I do make a conscious effort to to do this with my feet, to where to put the weight on the on the lateral side of my foot instead of, instead of medially. Uh, I, I do my best with that. Even when I work out too, when I, I mean, when you deadlift, right, if you're doing a sumo deadlift, you're pushing your feet out. So the weight bearing is on the lateral side of the foot as well. Right. And, uh, oftentimes with squats as well, you're going to, you're going to sort of turn your feet into the ground to lock them in position. And then also the weight's going to be That's exactly um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So, the, the, I mean, one of the things that that gets me thinking with shoes, like that's why I asked you earlier about those people who have never worn shoes, if if it's healthier, because you see a lot of, especially with uh, with um, women in high heels, with the very narrow tips, their toes just like you're trying to force all, all your weight onto your toes and push everything yeah. into a little corner. Yeah, I mean, isn't that problematic when they'd be better off not wearing those or like wearing those shoes? You know, those ones that got popular for a while, weightlifters were wearing them where every toe had its own pocket. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about what do you think about this? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, man. I almost bought myself a pair of those <laughs> I did Yeah, too. because I mean, they're, I they're cool, uh, you know, and I think just even as a podiatrist, just rocking them. I mean, it might be a little corny, but it, it's kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah, no shame in that. Again, I, I recommend, you know, a nice stable shoe. As far as women are concerned, look, there's a time and a place for that. Um, you want to wear high heels, you know, don't wear, you know, 20, 30 city blocks on the way to work, you know, or trekking up and down subways or, or whatever. That's you know, such a, that's where, sorry to cut you off. That's yeah. such a New York thing to say. Uh, you, don't, you don't hear anybody yeah. in Texas saying don't walk 30 blocks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't, yeah, we don't walk anywhere. True. Sorry. Go I ahead. Know. <laughs> that's okay. No, I, I grew up in a small town outside of Philadelphia. So no, okay. I, I hear you on all that. You're yeah. getting in and out of cars, but listen, uh, it, it is whatever. So like, you're not going to wear something like that to a sporting event or to a grocery store 
or through a mall for multiple hours or whatever, you know, you yeah. should always have a sneaker and stabilize. But if you're going to an event, you know, or you're going to a nice dinner, yeah, you're getting right into a car, you know, just get out, wear your nice heels. Um, now you might have some pain throughout the night, but fashion kills, right? So <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. But yes, the shoes you wear through life will shape your feet. They, they definitely do. The more stable, you know, a shoe is the better your feet are going to feel. That's natural. You know, it doesn't take a rock scientist to figure that out. But um, I mean, I'm all about like fashion and um, also, you know, not sacrificing a ton for comfort, too. So you just got to figure out what's the best for your life. Yeah, I see you modeling. I see you doing runways on your Instagram. <laughs> that was one. And that was for a good cause though, for prostate uh, cancer. So, yeah, it was very good to... cause. Yeah, very good. The statistics so, um, on that are scary. We live, to be, we yeah. live to be over 50. We're all at risk. Yeah. So uh, I did that blue jacket fashion show. And that that really is just about like um, really educating like black and brown people to drop the stigma between, you know, by getting checked out. Um, so it was really raising awareness for that community also. What do you mean? Um, but, yeah, I think like uh, a lot of like black and brown community doesn't have a ton of education and there might be some, uh, you know, stigma behind going and getting your prostate checked out regularly. Uh, um, no, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of science behind it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They're a, a lot more, um, you know, at risk or maybe they're just not getting checked as much, which is causing them to be more at risk. So it's really that fashion show especially was really dedicating time um, to that community, the more at risk and educated. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like it's the same way probably with Middle Eastern people. Like I'm Lebanese and we always joke like in America, white people go to the doctor for anything. Dude, Lebanese people, totally. you've got to be like my dad was actually having a heart attack and didn't say anything for two days. And then he goes, Hey, yeah, I've got chest pain. Maybe I should go to the hospital. I was like, yes. when did it, when did it start? He goes two days ago, but I think I'm okay. Yeah. Like he's still saying yes. that he thinks he's a, that's middle Eastern people. They just won't go to yeah. the doctor for it. They got to be dying to go to the doctor. Yeah, man, I get it. It's a, it's a thing <laughs> for sure. It's, it's really just about how you grow up and yeah, that gets passed down. Sure. To you. And then you, you deal with that. You know, I mean, my whole family, we were very blue collar growing up and yeah, my, my family still avoids doctors like the plague. Yeah, I, I mean, I do too. I'm not going to you know? lie. I always want to wait yeah. a couple of days, see if, see if whatever it is will go. Sure. Around and I mean, you don't want to be a hypochondriac, but yes. nah, man, you got to get checked out regularly, routinely. Sure. There's certain things that you cannot ignore. Like if I ever have chest pain, I'm going to the doctor just because I know Absolutely. my family, my family's history of heart attacks, you know, but, uh, for sure. so should they, if let's say somebody is wearing some narrow shoes all day that are squeezing their, their feet, should they maybe when they go to bed, put in some toe spreaders or something to try to counteract that? Would that be productive? My answer to that question. And I get that. I get asked that a lot. It's almost like yoga toes, right? That was, that was really cool for a while. I think like if you're wearing something like that, it's going to give her, you relief in the moment. So if you have an issue, it's not going to fix that problem. Like bunions, like if you have a bunion and you're holding a toe corrector over in the middle of the night, you're not teaching or stretching those ligaments and stuff to, you know, stretch that bunion back into a straight position. Same mm -hmm. thing with toes. Like if you have hammer toes, you're not just like straightening them out through a night by wearing like those toe separators. What it does do is it gives those muscles and tendons from a long day of work just kind of time, you know, to just breathe a little bit. 
get the, that blood flowing up to the toes and the nerves, you know, just a little more room to where it's not running into each other all the time. So I'm all for it. I think it's all great, um, but it is never going to fix a problem. Mm. But yeah, so you know, let, let things breathe like, and let them, yeah, not like bad. I, I saw this thing recently popped up on my Instagram feed, uh, feed, not feed, feed, <laughs> that uh, where like you, it's like a thing you, I tried to find it before the podcast so I can reference what it's called, sure. but I, I wasn't able to find it. But it's like a thing you slip on and it has a crank on the side and it pulls your big toe out. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think again, about that? It's wild. Um, you know, there's so many different things out there um, to help and make it feel better, but very uneducated to feel like that is going to fix that. You know, like just say the one that holds the toe over cranks the bunion back to a straight position. The bunion is essentially like a bone and joint deformity where the ligaments are taken that like this. And then, you know, from this to this, the only way to fix that is to loosen the ligaments internally goes rotating back. Mm -hmm. And then you hold it down here at this joint. It's your first metatarsal cuneiform joint. When you hold that in a fixed position, and rotate it in a 3D plane, kind of like that stuff I was talking about earlier with lapoplasty and the 3D bunion, it's fixed at the base. Anything that's gonna just work with tendons and ligaments that are already too far gone, you'll get it back for the short term, but it'll go back immediately the next day. Gotcha. You're not really addressing the issue then. I don't so, think so, no. Yeah, that's, that's the problem with a lot of injuries is sort of a Band-Aid on the wound approach. Yes. Like going to get a massage if you have some significant muscle strains. It'll make you feel better for about a day, maybe two. But unless you're really, really, you have a therapist who really knows what they're doing and they're really releasing those muscles permanently yeah. over multiple sessions, uh, you, you're going to revert to uh, to to those muscle strains pulling on, on certain uh, – uh, body parts and causing mm -hmm. pain and discomfort. Lack it's kind of, of like acupuncture too. Like you're just stimulating blood flow to the area. You're getting that temporary relief. Hopefully the blood is going in there and healing, but it's not fixing. Like you have to actively stretch. You have to make sure that you're strengthened in an area to stabilize that, you know, injury. Um, and at the end of the day, immobilization, you know, you have an injury, freaking immobilize that bad boy. Really? I think so. Yeah. Wouldn't that Bones, depend on the injury? Ligaments. Definitely depends on the injury. Definitely depends on the injury. Yeah. I feel like in most cases, immobilization does more harm than good because you are restricting blood supply and motion to that area, causing it to stiffen, causing the, you're, you're not, you're stiffening and you're not, uh, you're, you're letting the swelling stay in the, in the joint, for example, if you have swelling, whereas if you start moving it, you pump that edema out and uh, you maintain range of motion. I, I, I feel like with most injuries, you probably, joint injuries anyway, you want to regain range of motion as quickly as possible. I think that should be the number one goal. What are your thoughts on that? Sure. I think it's like immediate immobilization, you know, because you have to let the body calm that down. You have to let the blood go to, go to that area to do its job. Like you just say you fracture something, your blood's immediately rushing to that area, causing um, a hematoma, which is like our body's natural cast. That's where all the swelling and, you know, um, contusion, it's black and blue. That goes to that area, forms our body's natural cast to heal. Now I'm all about active early range of motion mm -hmm. or passive early range of motion. 
Um, so I hear you on that, but there has to be a stage of immobilization depending on the injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending, yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. I think sometimes doctors maybe take the immobilization a little bit too far and it's I can safe. understand it. Correct. It's I can safe. understand why, because yeah. I can go back into the gym and train in a safe way to slowly regain mobility and strength. But most people don't have the knowledge basis and, and they're probably going to, going to injure themselves or they're going to think they're better than they actually are. And I've been, I'm sure you have as well over the years had an injury and you're like, Oh, I'm good now. I can go back to jumping and running. absolutely. And then you hurt yourself again. Yeah. I ripped my hamstring running the first base one time. It literally just popped. It was, it was Ouch. awful. Just laid on the ground. Um, yeah, it was like someone took a baseball bat and just hit me, uh, in the back of my leg. I, I was black and blue back there for, I would say, three to four weeks. And then I was like, I can kind of start jogging played one month later, ripped it again, <laughs> ripped it again. Oh my God. <laughs> Just, I didn't even leave the box, the batter's box <laughs> and it ripped right when I was exploding out. So I was oh, done. No. I was done for the rest of the year because I was, because that... I was a bonehead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, you just, you want to win so bad. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. Like, that's the driver. And so it, it yeah. just, you, like, being sidelined is the worst thing for an athlete. Yeah. Was that not a surgical uh, repair, your hamstring? Maybe. I was young. I was too young at that so point. So you just let it heal on its own? I just let it heal on its own, yeah. Wow. I, I didn't even go and get an MRI or anything. And I don't know what grade it was, what stage it was. I was just Some people young. would I say. I was young and dumb. Some people would say if you have a good physical therapist, you're better off not getting an MRI for a lot of injuries because mm -hmm. the MRI put, puts things in the patient's head that like, oh, I'm, I'm injured and here's the MRI telling me why I'm injured and I cannot get better because I have a tear right here or I have a whatever over there. Like Mike right. Tyson was talking about uh, in, in recent years, he was getting ready for a fight. I think it's when he had his return fight against, uh, what's his name? Anyway. Holyfield. I, I, it was that it Evander. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he was in, in training. I mean, you see him hitting the mitts. He's got perfect shoulder function, but he had a doctor telling him he needs shoulder surgery because he's had some tears or something. And it's like, but if I can train this way and yeah. I don't have any pain or discomfort, then why do I need surgery? Well, because the MRI shows that you have a tear. Yeah. But if I can function this at this level, right. why do I need surgery? Who cares about a tear? Yeah, hey, I, I hear that. I, I definitely hear that. And, you know, you guys, you know, I can just tell from talking to you, like that MMA mentality or that jujitsu or like wrestling mentality, you guys are a different mind. I mean, you guys are. You guys are hard to talk to because you guys have ulterior or alternative ways and schools of thought. And no one's saying it's wrong. No, but I'm not because I get that mentality. You can tell me it's wrong. It's fine. No, I'm not telling you it's wrong. Trust me, I'm not because I, I'm all good with those different beliefs. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like the way you're taught as like from what your sport is versus like what we're taught as like doctors and helping and taking care of. That's all we're taught. True. So it's up to us to like educate ourselves, listen to people like you, and then know that there are different ways. Like a if you tell me that, you know, you've had success and everyone in your gym has had success doing stuff this way, I'll listen to it. I'll think about it, you know, and then I'll, I'll formulate an educated thought process on it. I'll never discredit anything like that. So by all means, I can advise. I know what's safer. 
you know, than going maybe hitting the bag a million times. You know, my my thought would be like, yeah, you'll tear the shoulder off the bone. You know, that would be the next thing. Mm. Things like that. You know, you strain your Achilles. Well, I can still do this. Great. I did the same thing with my hamstring. Yeah. But you try to do an explosive motion of like running the first base or stealing a base. Well, that's a that's a crazy added strain on that. Yes. You know, there's a reason why, like when when pitchers, you know, are able to throw and they give a six month recovery is because you cannot reciprocate. You cannot give that range of motion the full 90 mile per hour, 100 mile per hour thing. Bryce Harper just tours at UCL and they didn't wouldn't clear him to slide. You know what I mean? So like there's a there's yeah. a reason that people immobilize. Um, but I, I, I hear you on all that. It just depends on the injury. I, I agree. Um, depends, depends on the injury on the and the individual. Injury. Yes. Right. Yes, for sure. But that's yeah. why I like doctors who are athletic. I will not let a doctor put hands on me if he's not an yeah. athlete himself. I agree with that. So yeah. my, my, my number one go-to guy for uh, general orthopedics is actually a friend of mine who I used to do jiu-jitsu with. And, and now that I'm moving back to El Paso, we'll be training together again, Dr. Garcia, because he's just a killer. He's a killer on the mat and he's an orthopedic right. surgeon. So oh, cool. he, he always puts the, yeah, well, you know, it's like yourself too. Like you're an athlete. So you always, if I come to you, like most, not most, but doctors who have never played sports will just tell me, well, just stop doing this. Just stop doing that. You don't need to kickbox. You don't need to lift weights. Just go on a right. brisk, go, go on a brisk walk. I had a guy tell me when I was like 22, I had, I had a herniated disc and I had a, I had a guy tell me, just go on a brisk walk three minute, three times a week if you wanna if you wanna remain fit and stop lifting weights. I'm like I'm like bro, <laughs> yeah. Like, who, 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 who are you talking to? Brisk walk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on. I know. It is Can I? It is. So I want to ask you about something that that might be dare I say controversial, but what isn't controversial these days, right? Yeah. So sure. so you um. You you did a um, an interview a Q and A I, I suppose with um, power players earlier this month, June, yeah. so called Gay Pride Month, and yeah. you you mentioned in one of uh, the uh, one of the questions they asked you is I'm gonna pull it up to get the exact verbiage. Um, yeah, I was said, I was nominated for the, the power player for the LGBTQ plus award. Um, so in New York City, they do that. And I was super humbled by that. So, yeah, for sure. That's I mean, a I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part of the community. Yeah. So the more I can get the word out and just speak intelligently and just help somebody, I was really honored by that. So that was nice. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, that that's a big deal for sure. So but this is cool. why. um I want to, I want to, I want to get into this. So they, you were asked what actions, what actions do you, do you hope to see the government taking to support the LGBTQ plus community? Your response, we must stop the progress of the don't say gay bill in Florida. So much progress has been made and we can't let the door open again to move us backward to less tolerant and accepting times. This goes for all human rights, including a woman's right to choose abortion and reproductive healthcare rights and healthcare and protections for the trans community, for example. So there's a couple things there I want some clarification on. Healthcare and protections for the trans community. What does that mean exactly? What protections and what healthcare? Like, is does a trans person not have the same access to healthcare as somebody who? Well, now it's in certain or? states. No, not not at all. Oh. You know, depending on what state you live in, you know, 
there are different laws and stuff that is going to inhibit, you know, just say you're, you know, transitioning. Um, now you can have your own opinion on that, but my opinion is that, you know, you have to believe the child and, you know, you have to put different steps in place depending on the child's age and stuff for sure. Um, but that dialogue needs to be had. Um, same thing with abortion. Like there, there are states now that are, you know, definitely inhibiting, you know, those, you know, choices or, you know, the person, you know, should be able to choose, uh, in so, my opinion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, about that. So, yeah, like that, that's a broad, um, that's a broad brush. Um, and without getting into specifics, my whole thing is like, it's a, it's a fighter's mentality, right? So if you let the, if you let the door open a little bit, so just say like the don't say gay bill, whatever, um, you open that door a little bit, the next door is going to be open a lot further and sure. then a lot further and a lot further. It's the same thing that happened with abortion. Everyone's like, ah, that's never going to get overturned. Same thing with, you know, gay rights and marriage equality and things like that. Yeah, maybe not right now, 10, 20 years from now, that is definitely a possibility. If you keep allowing people to open the door a little, you know, like when, when that bill got passed, it was like, oh yeah, well, you know, six-year-olds or, or whatever, no one wants that taught to their kindergartners or first, second grade. Yeah, dude, I get that. Totally. Yeah. I, I absolutely understand that. It's the little things that are just opening the door to then go, not until you're a senior, not until you're this. It's like, now we can't talk about this, like throughout my teen years. You know, these are developmental years where we're understanding ourselves. You know what right, I mean? Right. So again, it's literally just about opening the door um, and stopping a progress at a later date. I hear everyone's thoughts, opinions on it. I'm not here to get political by any means. I'm a part of the community. You know, I love everybody. And I don't dog anyone for the belief system. For sure. I for definitely sure. don't think that that door should be open. Yeah. No, I mean, I get, I get that. I get that point of view for sure, because it's been the same thing over the years. If you look at the NRA, for example, and their stance on any kind of well gun said. control. Yeah. They said, yeah. they're like, no, we're not going to give up X because then you're going to want Y. And if we give Correct. up Y, then you're right. And it just keeps going. So it's, yep. it is, it is a slippery slope. Um, abortion is a complicated one. That's a, that's a discussion. I don't, I don't have a side on that, on that yeah. uh, argument. Especially uh, because of people's religious beliefs. So you have to you factor know? in religious beliefs, yeah. circumstances, um, a, a lot of things, a lot of things get, yeah. ha you have to factor into that. Argument. I grew up super Christian, you know, yeah. I talk about it all the time. So like, yeah, I was, you know, growing up when you're young, you know, and you, you haven't really processed things about who you are internally. Like, yeah, I was anti-abortion. I was anti-gay, you know, da -da -da -da, super conservative and nothing wrong with that. But man, like, when I'm starting to like understand myself, my journey, who I am, gay man that is, you know, a doctor now and everything, I've evolved, you know, to Wait, where so you were anti-gay at anymore. one point, even though, well, like, did, I mean, didn't you like, did, did I assume you knew you were, you were gay when you were younger? But... Yeah, man, my whole life. But I always thought it was something being a Christian that I could fight. I got you. You know, I and you. I, yeah. I always felt like I was strong enough to be able to, you know, fight this, you know, curse or, you know, fight this challenge that gotcha. God gave me. 
So I was always like, ah, yeah, these people chose this because they're not fighting anymore. They're too weak. You know, da, 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 da. it was just me being a dumb meathead. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's all it was. Um, so it's, I, it's I another, played another I, hamstring injury. basically. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I played, I played within my boxes that I was given, you know, yes. and, um, society stereotypes. I played within them till I was, I was very comfortable in that. Not a lot of people can be comfortable you know, growing up like that, I was able to just fit in, you know, due to maybe my athletic ability or whatever, but other people don't have that luxury. So I, I just talk that. about it. Yeah. I just talk about it, man. It's just, it, it's all an evolution. It's everyone's individual journey. You know, I, they say it in Texas a lot, you know, just don't tread on me. You know, I won't yeah. tread on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone's just got to chill out. That's it. You, <laughs> you could you, you could you you could basically rewrite the constitution in one sentence that reads, leave me the hell alone. Yeah, man. Just calm down. Everyone's um, so, so hyper no, about it. No, I, I get that. I grew up. I grew up Christian as well, Catholic, I suppose you could say, which is of course Christian. But uh, yeah. the one thing I learned from going to Catholic schools that were ran by nuns is that nuns are really mean people, and they could probably use a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Totally. <laughs> they, they yeah. Get to relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, but like, what when you're talking about? I don't want to step on your toes, but okay. Like you did mention the don't say gay bill, which is actually not called the don't say gay bill. I don't know where that came from. I feel it's, actually, on that. Yeah. it's actually called the parental education rights bill, which is exactly what you said. Parents are saying, no, we don't want people talking to our children ages kindergarten through the third grade, whatever that is. Like, what is that up to eight years old? Maybe about sex. I mean, isn't that like, I, I get your point of view. Like you don't want to, give up ground because then they just take more. I understand that. Um, but shouldn't the government be involved in protecting children? Yeah, because, dude, for sure. But yeah. there's, all, there's also been progress towards, you know, extending that age, you know? So like my parents, my parents are for it, right? Because they, they say like, you know, you, you shouldn't, you know, sexualize, you know, children or whatever, like that we're getting in too far into the weeds with all that. I hear everyone's, point of view on it again nobody taught me i was i was brought up to be straight yeah you know yeah, i heard did that, that yeah, work you out mean. you know what i mean no one well, is going to take a child and teach them to be gay correct so it just doesn't make sense to me yeah. but i hear people's worry you know yeah. i i get it it just it affects other people in a different way it's just like there was there's no one out there that tried their damnedest you know, to be straight. And I'm telling you, dude, society sculpted that from every cartoon, everything on TV, every book you read, you know, you are sculpted to be that way. I'm still getting happy, proud, period. There's no way you're going to teach one person be like, you got to, this is how it is now. Gay is right. Gay is cool. Dude, you're either innately gay or you're not. Yeah, I don't want, I mean, my my yeah. thing is, I don't, if I had children, I, like I have a nephew who's six, I don't want anybody talking to him about sex, whether straight or gay or whatever. I don't even want him to know what those words mean. Like, he's six. All he does is climb on monkey bars. You know what I mean? Like, all right, well, listen to this, Jamil. <laughs> think about this though, right? So you're, you're immediately and probably, and I'm saying your parents do, your grandparents, whatever. What do people always say? Oh, Susie's coming over. This is this is Billy's girlfriend. Or Susie's coming over. Oh, they're gonna get married one day. 
Sure. Further doing that three, four, five, six, you're immediately already talking to your kids about marriage, straight, the person, female. They all, you guys already do that. Marriage, you know I mean? yes. Marriage, oh, yes. Because as, as, a, as a children, you ask, like I would ask my parents, you know, where do babies come from? Or like, oh, I want a brother. Like I always wanted a brother because I had two older sisters. And they would just tell me, well, when two people get married, God blesses them and then they have kids. And that was a satisfactory answer for me until I became a teenager. You don't sure. have to get into sex talk, I feel like. At a, like, I don't think like who's you see. Talking, I don't know who's talking about sex, though. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I thought that's what the Parental Education um, Rights Act was about. But I mean, hey, listen, in my opinion, it's just about a cartoon of a just say a, a guy is with another guy and raise, raising a child. No, you guys or people like that don't even want that shown on a cartoon. Mm. All of all of life is shown in a straight cartoon, mm. you know, so like if we're just saying, oh, yeah, why don't you throw that in a Disney cartoon? Is that so bad? Well, you're immediately sexualizing children. No, nah, you're just talking about the neighbors that you have down the street that want mm. to normalize it a little bit more than somebody else. I don't see anything wrong with it. Dude, I don't I don't get down with like maybe if someone was twerking at a book reading. But again, I just don't overly right, right. see that that is what that community is doing. You know what I mean? So like I just think things get switched up a little bit. Um, I'm all for stopping the progress of something anti or something that could bring in some hate towards a community. Sure. You no, know, I like, agree. That's with that. my whole thing. Yeah. 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 No, I, absolutely. Look, I, I think one, yeah. one of the best things about America is the fact that it for a long time has had this, you know, it was built on this idea of letting people be who they are and express yourself, whether it's through art or, or, or poetry or music or, or your profession, whatever it is, like you get to choose who you want to be. And it hasn't always been perfect, but it has improved over the years a lot. And coming from the Middle East, like, geez, you know, like I, yeah, man, there's a lot of I've seen the two contrasts between some Middle Eastern countries that are, I mean, my goodness, you couldn't even say the word gay in Saudi Arabia, you know, versus right. being in America. And I, I think that's a, that's a great thing about this nation. So, but yeah, we do no, have conversations about what's appropriate and what isn't. And that's what you do sure. in democracy. You yeah, have conversations. No, I totally I, agree. I, I appreciate your point of view. I appreciate your input on that. Thanks, man. Yeah, I yes, appreciate sir. you asking me. Hey, man, of course. Um, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Um, no, not not at all. Just got to see some see some feet patients here. Yeah. Uh, still got another afternoon session to go. But yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you having me on. You know, asking me questions about podiatry and just life in general, and for sure, you know, I'm always here, open, honest. Like anyone needs any help, I'm I'm here to help them. Not only with feet, but like I said, with with any life. I don't have all the answers, um, but you know, I think I can definitely help people. Well, that's that, that's very humble of you, and that that's that's that that says a lot about your character. I appreciate that. And I'm taking a quote okay. from today: "Fashion kills." <laughs> I like that. I don't yeah. know how. I don't know what I'm going to do with that quote, but I like it. I'm just start saying it: yeah. "Fashion kills." Yeah. <laughs> All right, Doc. Thanks. Yep. Uh, I'm going right, to end the stream later, everybody. Okay. Bye, guys.